You are listening to Talk Geek to Me News, number 67, recorded for April the 15th, 2012. You are listening to the tech-only Hacker Public Radio edition. To get the full podcast, including political commentary and other controversial topics, please visit www.talkgeektome.us. Here are the vital statistics for this program. Your feedback matters to me. Please send your comments to dg at deepgeek.us. The webpage for this program is at www.talkgeektome.us. You can subscribe to me on Identica as the username DeepGeek, or you could follow me on Twitter. My username there is DGTGTM, as in DeepGeek, TalkGeek to me. And now the tech roundup. From TorrentFreak.com, dated April 10th, 2012, by Ernesto. Mega Upload Host refuses to delete user data and evidence, for now. For weeks, Mega Upload has attempted to come to a workable solution with the Department of Justice, but Mega Upload founder Kim.com has just confirmed to Torrent Freak that these efforts have been in vain. The DOJ and Mega Upload couldn't reach an agreement, and as a result, several parties are now fighting over the data, all for very different reasons. The government's position is somewhat confusing. Initially, the authorities argued that they had no interest in the data at all, but when Carpathia Hosting made a deal with Mega Upload to sell the servers for $1 million, the feds backpedaled. The government does not trust Mega Upload with the data and would rather see it deleted. But Carpathia refuses to do so, as Mega Upload, the EFF, and even the MPAA all believe that would be a bad idea. Mega Upload has argued before the court that the servers hold important evidence and has accused the feds of wanting to purposefully destroy it so that the file hoster becomes hindered when mounting its defense. Quote, In essence, the government has taken what it wants from the scene of the alleged crime and is content that the remaining evidence, even if it is exculpatory or otherwise relevant to the defense, be destroyed. Unquote. Mega's defense wrote to the court. And Mega Upload is not the only party interested in keeping the data intact. The EFS is representing a user who is demanding the return of his personal files, and the MPAA wants the data to be preserved for civil cases the movie studios may file against Mega Upload. In an attempt to save the data, all parties except the government have asked Judge O'Grady to come up with a solution to prevent Carpathia from having to wipe the servers clean. In a filing to the court yesterday, the hosting company makes its position clear. Without an opinion from the court, they are refusing to delete the data, as the government is suggesting. Quote, Carpathia is in no position to decide whether to destroy or keep the data without guidance from this court. Defendant's claims are sufficiently reasonable that without a court order, it would be imprudent for Carpathia to simply ignore them and reprovision the service, unquote. The hosting company writes. And while the government claims its sampling is sufficient and no further data need be preserved, other parties have claimed that all the data is necessary, Mega for its defense, EFF for the return of data to innocent users, and MPAA for use in future litigation, they add. For now, Mega Upload servers are safe, but if the court decides that it has no problems if they are wiped clean, the hosting provider will do so. If the data is to be preserved, Carpathia wants to know if they can sell the service to Mega Upload. If the court believes the hosting company should continue to maintain the servers, Carpathia wants to be compensated. The fate of Mega Upload's data is now in the hands of Judge O'Grady. From allgov.com, 
dated April 11, 2012, by Noel Brinkerhoff and David Walachinsky. Homeland Security and Navy award contract to hack into gaming systems. The federal government wants to obtain the capability to hack into video game consoles, all in the name of thwarting terrorism and pedophiles. Obscure Technologies, a small San Francisco-based company that performs computer forensics, has received a $177,000 contract from the Department of Homeland Security and the U.S. Navy to create software that can penetrate the Microsoft Xbox 360, the Sony PlayStation 3, the Nintendo Wii, and other game systems. The contract is part of the Gaming Systems Monitoring and Analysis Project that began in 2008 when law enforcement discovered pedophiles used video game consoles to find victims. Since then, national security officials came to the conclusion that terrorists may also use online games to communicate. Presumably, the developed technology would allow the FBI or CAA to file chat between players and access other information stored on the game systems. The contract was signed by the Naval Postgraduate School, but the tools will be delivered to Homeland Security. From TechDirt.com, dated April 11, 2012, by Lee Beaton. Breaking U.S. sues Apple publishers over ebook price fixing. Ever since the Justice Department announced that they were investigating Apple and several publishers over allegations that Apple's agency model for ebook pricing violates antitrust law, we've been waiting for the other shoe to drop. Last night, Reuters reported that a lawsuit was imminent, and now Bloomberg has the news that the government has filed a lawsuit against Apple, Hatchet, HarperCollins, Macmillan, Penguin, and Simon Schuster in New York District Court. Details are still scarce, but sources say Apple and Macmillan refuse to participate in settlement talks while some of the other publishers are still hoping to avoid a drawn-out legal battle and may settle soon. Update, Bloomberg is now reporting that S&S, HarperCollins, and Hachette have settled. It will be interesting to see what kind of defense Apple brings because the evidence of collusion doesn't look good for them at all despite Authors Guild President Scott Turow's self-surfing claim that this will somehow hurt culture. This is good news for readers. Busting apples in the publisher's iron grip on ebook prices will likely reduce them across the board. From TechDirt.com, dated April 11, 2012, by Chris Rhodes. No, violating your employer's computer use policy is not criminal hacking. You may remember a story from last year about David Nozal, a man who was essentially convicted of computer hacking because the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals determined that he exceeded authorized excess on his employer's computer system when he broke the written rules regarding how data on that system could be used, in this case by accessing said data before leaving the company for a competitor. Whether or not accessing the data was some other legally actionable offense, its prosecution under the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act, the CFAA, set an alarming precedent for the rest of us. As noted at the time, if breaking any arbitrary rule a company places on its IT system is hacking, then most office workers could be in big trouble. Did you check your Facebook using a company computer? You could be charged with criminal hacking if the rules say you shouldn't. To make matters worse, as Oren Kerr argued then, prosecutions like this aren't necessarily limited to desktop computers, since the line for what constitutes a computer is so blurry these days. Did you use your company's smartphone to call home and tell your wife that you'll be late for dinner? That could be good for ten years in prison. 
if company policy prohibits making personal calls from it. Of course, this isn't the first time prosecutors have tried to abuse the CFAA. Recall, if you will, the infamous case of Laurie Drew, who was prosecuted under the theory that violating the terms of service was also the same thing as hacking. Ridiculous, to be sure, but a jury convicted her anyway. That conviction was eventually overturned by the judge in the case, but others haven't been so lucky, and given the last decision by the Ninth, things were looking pretty grim for common sense. Happily, however, the Ninth decided to rehear David's case in bank, meaning with all the judges, rather than a small panel of them, and has now reversed the previous ruling. The analysis by the always entertaining Judge Kosinski makes it perfectly clear where the line is drawn. Quote, we construe criminal statutes narrowly so that Congress will not unintentionally turn ordinary citizens into criminals. This narrower interpretation is also a more sensible reading of the text and legislative history of a statute whose general purpose is to punish hacking, the circumvention of technological access barriers, not misappropriation of trade secrets, a subject Congress has dealt with elsewhere. Therefore, we hold that exceeds authorized access in the CFAA is limited to violence violations of restrictions on access to information and not restrictions on its use. Since decisions have gone the other way in other circuits, Kaczynski goes even further and says that the other courts have failed to apply the long-standing principle that we must construe ambiguous criminal statutes narrowly, and that they, at the Ninth, respectfully decline to follow our sister circuits and urge them to reconsider instead. Hopefully other courts will heed this message, but for now, this is a win for everyone on the West Coast. From peoplesworld.org by Blake Depp, did April 10, 2012. Facebook consumes Instagram, grows more massive. Facebook recently bought Instagram, a tiny mobile photo-sharing company that employed 13 workers in what appears to be a continuous effort by Facebook to maximize its grip on the Internet as well as its public influence. The Instagram smartphone app had been rapidly gaining popularity, but was hardly viewed as a Facebook rival. Nevertheless, the social network Goliath bought Instagram for $1 billion, and not without making its 13 employees very wealthy. In addition to keeping those workers, Mark Zuckerberg has also stated he wants to keep Instagram as an independent for now unit maintained by the same people responsible for its success in the first place. Many Instagram fans and critics of this move are unhappy, however, perhaps for a deeper reason. What once began as a small dorm room-operated social experiment for students of Harvard has today become one of the big five companies currently monopolizing the Internet, its four peers cited as being Google, Apple, Microsoft, and Amazon. Having carved out its own slice of the web, Facebook expands its outreach more and more as the years tick by, and is now viewed as being so large that it can kill or buy most competitors. As it stands now, Zuckerberg's juggernaut pretty much writes the proverbial rules of engagement for social media, hardware software design, and e-commerce. If in the years ahead the expansion of the Facebook machine continues, it raises important questions regarding online freedom and corporate ownership versus democratization of the Internet. 
The critics of Facebook's gobbling up of Instagram are agitated because they feel that they are having less and less areas of the web free of Facebook's stronghold. This is partially true. For those areas that are removed from it, one or more of the other big five names are most likely involved. And any of these big names have also seen increased usage by government agencies, some say in potential violation of civil liberties. Facebook has also been increasingly asking for more and more information from people under the guise of new improvements. Its new timeline feature stretches back all the way to your birth date, tempting users to add baby photos and fill in the blanks for their entire life, year by year, for the world to see. As these big companies take measures like this more and more often, those who wish for the Internet to have a more democratic approach grow more concerned. The remedy, it would seem, is to stop the acquisition of the Internet by private firms and, in the interest of average working-class users, return it to a form in which it may become a democratically controlled public forum for society. In the hands of corporations, there is the ever-growing feeling that social media may become Big Brother. News from techdirt.com, iww.org, indiestimes.com, and allgov.com, used under arranged permission. News from TorrentFreak.com, used under permission of the Creative Commons by attribution license. News from VenezuelaAnalysis.com, DemocracyNow.org, and PeoplesWorld.org, used under permission of the Creative Commons by attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. News sources retain their respective copyrights. Thank you for listening to this episode of Talk Geek to Me. Here are the vital statistics for this program. Your feedback matters to me. Please send your comments to dg at deepgeek.us. The webpage for this program is at www.talkgeektome.us. You can subscribe to me on Identica as the username DeepGeek, or you could follow me on Twitter. My username there is DGTGTM, as in Deep Geek Talk Geek to Me. This episode of Talk Geek to Me is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Like 3.0 Unpoured License. This license allows commercial reuse of the work, as well as allowing you to modify the work, so long as you share alike the same rights you have received under this license. Thank you for listening to this episode of Talk Geek to Me. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binref.com. All binref projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Share Alike, 3.0 license.